You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Gate 7 International. I'm your co-host, Costa Levoyanis. I'm joined by Costa Lianos with a K. Costa, my man, it's late in Greece. I know it is midnight. We're going live anyway, wherever you are, if you're joining us live or if you're joining tomorrow, the day after or whenever it is. Keep it locked to Gate 7 International. Hit the like button if you like what you hear. Hit subscribe. Hit the bell as well so you get a notification when the next episode comes with your latest and newest update on all things Olympiacos. We are your number one English source for the red and white legends. And it's another win today, Costa. 5-1. Give me your give me your quick thoughts. How are you doing, man? I know it's late. You must be a little bit tired. Thank you for coming on so late. How was the game? I always have time for uh, Gate 7 International. I love the podcast. I love the work you guys are doing. Uh, so there's always time for you guys. I just came back from the Yorgos Karaiskaki Stadium. Uh, not a lot of people showed up, but based on the kind of game this was, kind of a formality kind of game, a lot of people, if you take that into consideration. Uh, also, there's the whole, you know, 50% capacity thing. Um, it, I mean, there's lot, loads of things to um, to talk about in regards to the game. We're going to have a little deep dive into analytics about what we saw into the from the players. Uh, but in general, um, one thing I can say about Olympiacos right now is that they're looking forward. The league is pretty much done. Uh, Pauk didn't beat Ike. That means there's Olympiacos are 15 points ahead of uh, Pauk in the in the league. They're all looking forward right now to the next season. There's also the Greek Cup that they're keeping in the back of their mind. And uh, well, lots of things I learned from the Karaskaiki today. I had the chance to speak to a few very important people, and uh, I, I managed to learn a few things about the uh, the club's mentality heading forwards. Very interesting stuff, Costa. I mean, let, let's dive right right into the game because for me, it was a very drab first half performance. Uh, all I remember from the first half is really a long shot from, from Madika Mara that, that whistled wide, I think in around the 10th or inside the first 10 minutes. One of those shots where you think, oh, you know, flashes of Madika Mara. And I think there was another speculative long shot he had and then around the 40th minute just before half time Carvalho dances around two defenders near near the edge of the box lays it off to El Arabi and then El Arabi plays the extra pass like a basketball you know like a basketball team and uh Envy Lafayette is wide and then that takes us into into half time so you know I, I mean before the game to be honest with you I I made a statement I, I tweeted out that what I wanted to see from today's game was 
Fortis Kitsos starting again at left back. Uh, I wanted to see Carvalho again at number 10. And I wanted to see Aguibu Camara playing in midfield with uh, with Envila, with Bukhalakis, whoever. But but I wanted to see a midfield with Aguibu Camara centre mid and Carvalho playing at the 10. Anyway, I was pretty certain actually before seeing the actual lineup that Kitos wouldn't play, that Oleg would be back in, and that Lala would get a rest and Brusai would get a run in the team. Uh, that's what happened. He switched up the centre-backs as well. The last game we had Cissé and, and Bar pairing. Today we had Socrates and Manolas starting again. I'm not sure why he's why he hasn't tried Manolas, uh, Manolas and Cissé yet. For me, that's possibly the best pairing that we have, but we've never seen it. I wonder if we will see it until the end of the, this season. Uh, and then, yeah, of course... We had M. Villa and Madi Camara playing in, in the midfield with Carvalho playing a second game in a row. I think he, he was on for 90 minutes. He played 90 minutes again, didn't he, Costa? Or did he come yeah. off? Yeah, uh, that, that's how I remember. That's, uh, that's how I remembered. He didn't, uh, he, he, yeah, he did play 90 minutes, actually. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he did. I just, I just checked that now. Full 90 minutes, full 90 minutes, full 90 minutes for Carvalho. And just to complete that lineup, Aguibu Camara was out on the wing, at least on paper. On the, on the right. He was on the right yeah. wing. Masuras was on the other wing. Uh, and Tiquinho led the attack, yeah. An unlucky uh, participant. Yeah, and he's come off, I think, around the, 20, the 35th minute he's come off. He's picked up a knock. I hope it's nothing... It's a niggle as far as I know so far. It's a niggle so far. Um, I mean, in general, the first half, to me, the other the other day we watched uh, the most eventful and exciting goalless draw perhaps in uh, English football history uh, with the League Cup final between Chelsea and Liverpool. This time I watched a very eventful, but then again, hapless first half at the Karaiskaiki Stadium. There, a lot of things actually happened. Asteras had a... Uh, we're protesting for a penalty, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch the. Re I still haven't watched the replay, so I couldn't tell you guys if it was or not. I literally didn't watch it. I spoke to a few people and who had watched the replay from the uh, from their phones, and they told me that it was the referee made the right call, and they said he made the right call with the goal of um, what was his name? God damn it. Um, who was the guy that scored for Asteras in the um, in the first half? I'll remember him. Valiente, Valiente. He scored uh, right. in the first half. Uh, it was. Do you have any more info, Costa? If you're if if you're talking about the potential, was it the handball, like a handball call on Versailles? I'm not sure because I, I was in and no, out. No, no, no. The first in the first half, there was an instant with Vatslik and um and a play and an Asteras player. Uh, the uh, the visitors complained. They, they claimed that uh, Vatslik uh, pushed him to the ground, and then Valiente scored a goal, which was deemed offside. Uh, guys, honestly, I just returned from the Karaskaike. I still haven't watched the replays, so I cannot tell you if it was or it wasn't. From then on, Olympiakos played really well for the first 20-25 minutes. Uh, played possession, really good passing football, the kind of thing you like to watch. Kind of frustrating your opponent. Kind of you know playing the patience game. But then they just lost that tempo. They lost that uh, rhythm again. Yeah. Though Olympiacos were playing their seconds, really, they weren't playing the real lineup, which showed in the second half. 
Uh, there was that that chance Tiquinho missed with the header that Tashuli saved close to the goal line. Yeah. And there was that big chance that El Arabi basically teed Envila uh, in front of goal and he was sent it way off the mark, wide off the mark. It was a bit frustrating in the first half, eventful but still hapless. And then Pedro Martins did something that he hasn't been doing throughout most of the season, that is introduce some key players, introduce some impact players. He, he realized what I'm doing right now is not working, so I'm I'm flipping the script. He brought in Balbuena, he brought in um, Papa Busise, he brought on Gary Rodriguez soon after, brought Bukalakis, and Olbiaco started started uh, started lashing, started giving them hell and reminded us of Olbiaco's from another another era, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, well, in general, I'd agree with what you said with regard to the first 20, 25 minutes. It looked to me that a certain certain number of players, they were playing at a mildly different tempo, I would say, a little bit faster than what we've seen. I think the fact that a few of those players, they got a rest in the last game. Some other, like Mvila, for example, Mvila played, I mean, in the last game, I think he... I can't remember if he came off early and got a little bit of a of a rest in the last game, but he and Villa in particular, he looked much more mobile than he has been this season. And I know he's struggled in particular with um, with COVID, and it affected his body in a really dramatic way. I've been told from from people inside the club, like he literally couldn't run, couldn't breathe. Yeah, so it's. Um, very good to see him much more mobile today. The passing was really crisp as usual, cutting through the lines. And of course, I agree with what you said as well in terms of, I think we, we said it off camera, the addition of Carvalho into the, um, into the starting eleven it offers something different that we just haven't seen, that we haven't had in the team. That ability to just move the ball and contribute to to possession play, whether it's something simple as just giving a one-touch pass to somebody nearby and then pass and move and getting into a position to just help with the build-up. He's really been... Uh, I, I half expected it. I'm not surprised at all at what we've seen from, from Jacques Cavalio. I think his level is far, far above and beyond Greek Super League. And uh, it's going to be interesting how we handle this player moving forward if you consider Fortuna's coming back as well, might we ever see them play together with this manager? I doubt it. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to liken them to uh, to Marco Marin and Fortunis. You know, when when Besnik Hassi tried to play both of them together, that was a disaster mm-hmm. because neither of them really. I mean, neither of them press particularly well. Uh, they both could be accused of being a bit lazy. So defensively, we would definitely lose something. But if needed or if necessary in a game, having those two in the same in the same team could be interesting. But that's that's moving into the future. Well, uh, yeah, we did talk about Jacques Carvalho off camera, actually, and basically, I find that Olbiagos have been getting things from from Carvalho recently that they haven't been getting all season because of Fortunis' injury, a real number 10, the kind of number 10 with a vision, good passing skills, crisp crossing, the kind of player that could take the ball from the right wing and accurately cross it to the other side and take the game to the left side, open up some ground. 
um, finding spaces, uh, moving the strikers forward with some good passing. Uh, I think I think Carvalho was also greatly missed in the Europa League because that's the kind of thing we were missing against Atalanta. Uh, some good passing, some the kind of pass that takes the, the game to the other to the other side. They, we couldn't move the game. We were so we were so isolated on one side. And yeah, I don't know though. I, I honestly, I'm not too sure how he and Fortunes could coexist in the starting lineup. Martins like to introduce Fortunes as an impact player before his injury, and we saw that against Eindhoven specifically when he came off the bench and practically guided us to, to qualification. Yeah. I don't know. Could he play with two number tens behind the striker like Atalanta did? Exactly. That's a, that's a very sophisticated. Uh, System that's a very sophisticated formation. I don't think Olympiacos can play that, but then again, you know, there's going to be a full preseason coming up, no COVID this time, so lots of time to work with. Carvalho and Fortunis are not leaving, Martins is not leaving, so let's see. But then again, if they manage to coexist by you know sharing halves or you know one of them becoming an impact player, who knows? Uh, Carvalho did kind of uh, hit the wall at Nottingham Forest, so I hope it doesn't happen at Olympiacos as well. Yeah, well, in the end, it was a 37-year-old Mathieu Valbuena that needed to come on at halftime, of course, and help us to break the deadlock because going in nil-nil at halftime, like we said, it's not like, you know, I was confident we would score and that we would win this game, to be to be frank. And that's what we expect, playing at home as well. And with Ayak and Balk playing later on in the day, it's an opportunity to extend the lead again at the top of the table and try and just wrap things up as quickly as possible. That's important for a lot of reasons, which I'll, I'll, I'll mention afterwards. But but again, it's I, I just want to sing his praises because Mathieu Valbuena, at, at his age, coming on again, whether it's from a set piece or whether it's... Uh, you know, his work rate on and off the ball, his contribution in the Greek league has been out, outstanding this year, uh, more so than even last season. Last season, he had a lot of injury problems, but I I don't have the numbers on off the top of my head. I was listening on the radio. They were saying like his his contribution to, to games that we've won this season, whether it's like a 2-1 or 1-0 from an assist or a free kick or... A, a goal he scored from a free kick or an assist he's given from a corner free kick. It's been, he, he's been vital. And we saw that again today. And I think it's worth singing his praises again. Now, yeah, there is another topic we can talk about immediately. And that relates to the manager's comments at the end of the game. I don't know if you, you heard or read what he said, I can't but in his, in his post-match comment, Martin said, the club knows that I want Valbuena, Avram. And he mentioned another another veteran that he wanted to stay on the team. And I think it was El Arabi. Was the El Arabi. One. Yeah. El Arabi. So El Arabi. He, yeah. He said, yeah. I want the three of them in the squad next season. And <laughs> there's there's been a number of questions, I think, already in the chat. Gregory Sinanidis has asked the question, can we all agree we shouldn't re-sign El Arabi and focus on someone younger? So, I mean, we, we, you and I have talked about this before, Costa, and we did, a, we, we, we did a segment on this, but is there anything you've seen recently that, that makes you like change your mind 
in terms of whether we should be re-signing El Arabi and Valbuena at the end of this season. El Arabi and Valbuena are two grand personalities. There are two; They are two players that should have been much more successful and much more famous in their careers. That didn't happen for different reasons for those two. And for one of them, it didn't happen not because of him, but because of other things. Incredible players, two luxurious players for the Greek Super League that uh, are not just limited on what they do on the pitch. It's, it also matter what, what matters about them is what they do off the pitch as well. They are leaders. They are the kind of players that younger players will turn to for advice, that will turn for inspiration. A locker room always needs, uh, needs uh, personalities. Not too long ago, we were talking about the Greeks, the Greek national team, and we we're talking about who, what kind of personalities do you find? The you walk into the dressing room, what kind of personalities do you find um, in John Van Schiep's uh, squad? Answer: Not, not a lot. Maybe none, actually. With Olympiacos, where to start? Where to end? But Valbuena and Alarabi are up there. Um, I, I'm sure the financial aspect is going to play a huge part. I'm not too sure about the team's budget. I'm not too sure about the financial impact of the coronavirus pandemic. I'm not too sure what kind of targets they're looking at. I I had a little research about players Olympiacos have been linked with, and there's still no certainty as to how far they're going to go with those targets. But uh, if the financial, if, if there are no financial issues with that, and if the players are willing to take to meet the, the club halfway, then definitely keep them around. Definitely keep them around. Obviously, Martin's going to go with uh, Tikinio next season. And Tikinio is an amazing player, in my opinion. He's not a killer, in my opinion. He's not a killer like Larabiko Vasevic and Mitrovlu. But yeah. he, he does offer a lot on the pitch, especially in the hold-up play, like Labro Sirmos uh, said during the Atalanta game. Uh, and when it comes to Valbuena, well, there are going to be other there, there's going to be other wingers that are going to come in. But Valbuena is an impact player; no one can deny that, both in Europe and Greece. They're lu they're luxury players for Greek football, luxury players for a Greek football team, and definitely we shouldn't just throw stuff like don't resign those those two willy nilly. My opinion. We're not Man City. Yeah, no, <laughs> not we're, we're we're not we're not a. We're quite far away, particularly this season, from a Premier League team. Let's say, um, I get, I get what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Valbuena, uh, it's they're they're both very hard players to replace. I think it's as simple as that. Um, I think that if the club has a proper, a proper long term strategy, then they already have targets for for a striker. For a replacement, um, name comes to mind that was linked. I think it was linked in in um, in Christmas, or at least I researched it. Is Remy Cabella from mm -hmm. uh, from Krasnodar? He's a good friend of Yanem Villa as well. There's been some talk as well about Valbuena and and El Arabi being interested in general in staying in Greece and potentially, you know, uh, getting getting a role at the club. Uh, I don't. I think Valbuena has also hinted possibly that he might retire at the end of the season. I'm not quite sure, but um, I th that that's the bottom line. They're hard to replace, and and I think the biggest thing is, like you said as well, Costa. I agree. Is the personality is you need those kinds of people 
in the dressing room, but also active members of the team, you know, to be able to kind of lift the younger, more inexperienced players to, how you say, carry the team uh, on their shoulders when when they need to. I think Valbuena's done that this season in Greece. Um, El Arabi, I don't think it's been his hottest season, but... But yeah, who, how how do you replace a player like that that's been scoring twenty goals, twenty goals a year? I don't think we should be paying him two point eight million, and that's what I've heard that he's asking two point eight million, which is more than he's getting now. He's looking at getting his last contract before he retires. But I'm sorry, he's not going to get that kind of money. And personally, I think he should be getting less than what he's getting now. So like. 1.2 to 1.5 million. Okay, it's not my money, so yeah, that's as far as I'll. That's as far as I'll go. I think it was a mistake selling Hugo Kuipers. I'm just going to throw that out there. Scored 10 goals for Mechelen and eight assists. Mm-hmm. It's having a brilliant season in Belgium. We've still got 50, percent but but really, should we have sold him? I think that was a bad move. Um, I'm not saying he's a like for like replacement, but. Anyway, oh, I just want to address this comment from our friend Manos. Manos is saying, guys, I think one of you, not one of us, told in the show that Valbuena is just for singing, etc. Well, in his late 30s, he is a must leader, guys, says Manos. I don't know if anybody made that direct statement, Mano, but one thing that I, I did say is that... Um, I criticised Nikola Kopoulos, the, the reporter's approach, going out on the radio when he was saying that the only reason we signed Valbuena was for him to sing at the next fiesta. Joke, whether you know, I mean, he meant he said it jokingly, but I don't really find, I don't really find it funny. As I said, I think the club needs to have a, you know, short-term, medium, long-term strategy. So Valbuena's done a job for us for three seasons. But we need to know, like, we need to plan. What happens after Valbuena? Is it Fortunis? Is it Cavallo? Is it going to be? Is it going to bring somebody else with more experience? Because Cavallo is a young player. Oh, is he what 24, 25 years of age? Doesn't he have that young. kind of experience. He is young. Yeah, he is very young, and also like a Cabela personality could, you know take the take the reins out of him but in general i mean i i'm I'm reading a few comments like these uh quite a lot now coming in uh and the um the feeling i keep getting the more i go to kareskaikis from the fans is that everyone's just looking forward now the league is over the europe is over uh the greek cup is on the back of our minds all of us we do want everybody wants it to double but uh, the league is over already. Olympiacos are 15 points ahead. And the, the mentality is... Olympiacos have this kind of mentality that makes them a world within a world. Olympiacos are a different world on their own. They, there's no competition. There's no one to challenge them. There's no one to take them to the limit. It's unbelievable that this team is, is still undefeated and probably could still remain undefeated until the end of the playoffs if things keep going the same way unless Martin suddenly just plays the B team after it's mathematically over. It's a different world because of mentality. It's a, it's, it's a team that has the crazy dream of doing something incredible in Europe and 
I'm not too sure I agree with some people saying that uh, we're a conference team. I think we are somewhere between conference and Europa League. Definitely not a Champions League team right now. But the way I see it, two really good fullbacks in the summer, at least a good winger, and Olbiakos could do something next season. And that's, that's the mentality. They just want to keep pushing. They want to keep raising the bar. I managed to watch the final few seconds of Pauk and Nike. They finished 1-1. And at full time, Razvan Lutsescu started celebrating. And it was a draw. He celebrated a draw. He was going like this. The camera caught it. And I asked some people next to me, why is he celebrating? What's he celebrating? That he didn't lose? That he got a point? They were playing with 10 men for, I think, for for a whole half, but still. I mean, Ajax in a tragic state right now. Uh looking for a new manager again. You're, you're 15 points behind your, <laughs> your biggest title rival. You're going to miss out on Champions League again. You're going to play in the conference. doesn't matter if you finish third or fourth. You're going for the conference. What are you celebrating? What's the, if, if it was the other way around, can you imagine what we would be saying about Pedro Martins right now if, he, if we saw that on camera? Him celebrating passionately. That we didn't win. Yeah, no, no, that would not come off or rub off well on Olympiacos fans. But uh, there's an interesting comment from from Thanos K in Greek. It's one of those says, comments. Yeah, yeah. So he says the the score isn't really representative of, of the game itself. The the team this year is far and away much better than the other teams, but we have big problems. Where you know, we're not, we're not we're poor. Good. Yeah, we're poor. We have slow wing backs that can't um, that can't offer us uh, attacking solutions. Thano, this is something that we've talked about, like <laughs> Costellanos in particular. We? My we? God, we talk sure. about it practically. I'm not, I'm every... not too sure. I'm not too sure if we've ever discussed the wing back situation. Man, we we yeah, we practically talk about this every episode. Um, we've never replaced Omar El Abdelawi. We never replaced Timikas. I've been bantering on about Oleg Rabchuk as great as he as he is in terms of determination, work rate, um, defensive transition. I mean, when he controls the ball with his shin. It's Kalamas, like we say in Greek. <laughs> you know, he's looking at the ball when he's dribbling. He's not looking around the pitch. Uh, and, and I was begging to, to see Fortis Kitsos today, to have a, a winger, like an attacking player that, that plays with his head up at left back. And I, again, I, I don't have anything against Oleg Rebchuk. I think he's improved a lot this season. Just I, you know, I hope a good transfer offer comes in in the summer and he goes because... He's not, he's not made for Olympiacos. He's not made for Olympiacos. And again, no discredit to him. I think in a dimios, like you say in Greek, like he, he gives everything on the pitch and he does have that fight. You know, he shows passion, but he's just not, he's not an Olympiacos left back. I'm used to seeing a Timikas. I'm used to seeing a Yorgatos, you know, that's my, that's my prototype. And when you bring in a player like that, that I've said it a million times, he's played in Porto's youth as a left centre-back in, in a three at the back. That's what he is. Try him in that. If he wants to play three at the back, try him there as a left centre-back. But please, 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 don't turn, don't try and turn 
Ole Grabchuk into something that he's not. He's not Zapacosta. He's not Timikas. He's not Jurgatos. He's never going to be any of those players, you know? Um, what did you think of Rusai out on the right today? Because... I feel like... So yeah. you go ahead. No, no, you, you finish your thought, please. Uh, I'm going to say it in Greek. Sacrilege. It's going to sound like yeah. sacrilege. Yeah. But you know, you know the Bayern Munich right back? Is it Kimmich? Yeah. He was like an, a player like Vrusai that could play like in the middle, play on the wing, and he got moved back to right back. And he's got a similar kind of body type because like put put Andrutos next to next to Vrusai. Look at their bodies. Like Vrusai's worked on his body. He had the advantage that he went and played in the Eredivisie in Holland as well for over a year. He's good technically, he's he's improved his physique, he's quite physical, um, he can shoot, he can cross. All he's lacking is a bit of confidence and then some tactical awareness defensively, you know, and to work on some things. But I, I'm i not sure. It's hard to say against a team like Asteras. But we saw him play against Man City last season at right back when we had lots of players missing uh, when we played Man City at the Karaiskagi. Mm. So I'm, I'm interested to see more. What do you think? Yeah, I think he inspired confidence in his role tonight. But then again, that was only Asteras Tripolis. It wasn't a strong enough opponent to make some concrete conclusions as to where Versailles goes from here. Definitely needs to play more. Definitely needs to some stronger competition, which he's not really going to get until the playoffs, really. And maybe the, the Greek Cup, the semifinals that are coming up, and maybe the final if Olympiakos go through. Uh, yeah, he showed some good... Um, he showed some... Uh, he showed some promise. Not not a lot of plays were be. Most of the plays happened on the left wing rather than the right wing, based on how I remember it, personally. But he was quick in the overlap. He was quick in his uh, return to defense. Uh, he asked for the ball. He moved the ball nicely. Yeah, promise. Good touches promise too. He's got yeah. good close control. Yeah, I I feel like he showed some good promise. But then again. We like you said as well. It was only Asteras this time. We're gonna to have to see a lot more to make some concrete uh, conclusions. But let's not be mistaken. Olbiakos still need a fucking right back. I don't care. I don't care if Rusai starts starts firing in all cylinders until the end of the season. Get a fucking right back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you made you made your point effing clear. Um, Are we not allowed to I mean, curse? You're, you're you're allowed to curse. You're allowed okay. to curse, man. But we like we like to keep it classy. But if you like to, if you want to curse, like I don't, I don't care. It's all good. You got to be natural, man. Whatever comes naturally. Um, what was my point? I was about to say I don't, I don't expect Kenny Lala and Oleg Grabchuk to be in the squad next year. Quite frankly, not expect it. I don't expect they'll be in the team next year. I could see Lala leaving, but I don't think Rabchuk will leave because he's a Pedro Martins guy. He has a lot of hopes for him. He's not giving up on him. So Rabchuk will stay in the club, whether as a starter or a second. Well, that remains to be seen if Olympiacos get a left back. Because there's no one else. No, uh, I, I, I can't. It's a very complicated summer that we have ahead of us. Um we we touched on this very 
um, just just a little bit before, and I, I want to expand on this because I want to give some clarity to the fans, to the people following as well. If if we qualify for the Greek Cup final, the Greek Cup final is on the twenty first of May. Mm-hmm. Next season, Olympiakos is starting the Champions League qualifiers from the first round, ladies and gentlemen. That means that the first qualification round, it starts early July, beginning of July, which means pre-season starts on the 6th of June. And I ask the question, I put it to you, what is the main excuse, besides COVID, that we have been hearing about Olympiagos' poor performances this season and to a little extent last season as well. Costa. A lot What's of games, other? a lot of fatigue, a lot of games, a lot of schedule. Tired. They haven't rested yeah. for three years. Yeah. That this team hasn't rested for three years. This is why I do not give a shit about the Greek Cup. Honest to God. And people have a go at me. It's like, no, we have to win the cup and blah, blah, blah. I do not want to have this excuse going into next season. I do not want anybody to have the excuse that the players are tired. Because if we play the cup final on the 21st, the players get a week rest, Costa. Because beginning of June, there's international games. Yeah, but uh, if you want to call yourself a big club, like let's talk about Liverpool, let's talk about Bayern Munich, let's talk about Chelsea, they didn't have that mentality heading to the Club World Cup. They told themselves, you know what, it sucks that we have all those games. Yeah, their managers uh, pissed and moaned, but they still went for it and won um, and became world champions and still came back firing in all cylinders, on all cylinders in the Premier League and Bundesliga, respectively. And then if this happens, if let's say Olympiacos, which won't happen, I want to make this crystal clear, that's never going to happen. But let's say in a parallel universe, Olympiacos gave away the semifinal against Pauk just because of Europe, then the old cliche, the Greek cliche of players choosing matches would be very true in that regard. We're a a team with players that choose matches. That doesn't sound good. Doesn't look good either. Dibon, we're not not Liverpool and we're not Bayern Munich. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean, though. I'm not not comparing the quality. I'm comparing the fact that they start their pre-season mid-July. And they don't have to play qualifiers. They qualify directly for the group stages of the Champions League every season. But they want to be champions. They want to be, cha- especially Liverpool, who have only won it once in yeah. 32 years. Okay, we, we, we win the league and that's what gets us through to Europe. Yeah. What do you want in the cup? Play the players that you've played. Play the players you're... that you've played in the previous rounds. Give the Jan and Villas, the El Arabis, the, you know, the players, the, the Madi Camaras, the guys that have been around the last three years that have borne the brunt. Give them a rest. Let Maybe them go. The final. Like, let, let them rest. 
Let them yeah, rest. But, I don't. Yeah, but I, that, that's my biggest concern, Costa. That really is my biggest concern. I do not want to come back next year on this show and have that excuse. The players are tired. Oh, I or, can't. You know, I can't anymore. I can't. Or Epo should help a little bit in that regard. No, no, I know what you mean, but you know what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to, to find a solution this whole thing. But then again, there's a difference between playing against Pauk and playing against Panathinaikos. So Pauk is in the semi-final, then it's yeah. Panathinaikos probably in the final. Who's the other one? Not Aris. It's who's the other team? God damn it! Sure. Somebody in the chat, can you help us? Who's the other team? No, 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 Fine, then it's Greek Cup semi-final. <laughs> They eliminated Aris. They eliminated Aris. Okay, so, but okay. Lamia might knock out Panathinaikos and we'll play Lamia in the in the final with our B team. Yeah, so you can play with your seconds. You can you can afford to to pull off the same things you did in against Asteras. Rest the players. Rest the players in the, in the first half, and then bring bring on some some impact players and just finish it. You see, you see how this is always a topic that riles people up when it comes to the cup. Well, yeah, but there's a. I mean, I mean that's what big clubs do. Like they never they go for it all. It's not like like the league cup in the, in England where you know no one really cares from the from the big boys. Uh, or the Europe or the Europa League before the incentive was added that whoever wins the Europa League goes to the Champions League immediately. They didn't care. The Premier League teams didn't care about the Europa League at all. That's an interesting comment, just in um, cha changing the subject. Manos, uh, Gate 7, maybe we start from second round because of Russian disqualif uh, disqualification. I'm not sure about that because I think the... that's an interesting thought, though, but I'm, I'm not sure. Or at least Russian teams won't be playing uh, first or second round qualification. I think teams like, I mean, I'm not sure who's top of the Russian league right now, but um, that's something we can we can look into. I'm Another. sure there's going to be some Belarusian teams as well. It's going to be some some teams we've never heard of in that first round, I think. Uh, Thanos K comments again. So we have to start planning for the for the transfers of next year already. Yeah, this is this is an issue, man, because going into next season, normally we make our transfers, at, you know, in August. Let's be frank, there are very few times that we've made our transfers early. I remember a season with Ilya Ivic as technical director. I think that was the season we brought in uh, Galetti, Lua Lua, 2007 season. And uh, Leonel Nunez, for any of you that remember him, Christian Ledesma. That was a season where we brought players in early and Lemonis had them to work at preseason. As, um, I mean, yeah, if we go down this road, we can make this podcast very long. We, we said we'd make this a short one. Um, another question about the game, Costa, uh, because I, 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 was, I was thinking about Agibu Kamara, and I've put a question in um, as a poll, actually, to the fans. Uh, what is Agibu Kamara's best position? Centre mid? Number ten or winger, and Costa, you you don't have the results in front of you, but you've had quite a few votes already. Do you want to guess which one which one is winning? 
Not what, not what you think. Which one do you think is winning? Is it centre mid? So actually, number 10's got 47%. Mm-hmm. And centre mid's got 41 mm-hmm. And winger's got 12 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. came in as a winger. He did come in as a winger, but uh, like according to transfer market, he's written down as predominantly as an attacking midfielder. And I told you off camera that I feel like Olympiacos didn't really get didn't get from Agibu Camara what he's getting right now from João Carvalho. João Carvalho is bringing back Costas Fortuny's memories. Agibu doesn't really feel like that, based on what I saw. I'm 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 with you on that. I and I said I think at the beginning of the show I I would have liked to see him at centre mid. He gives me a bit of that Nabi, uh, Nabi Keita vibe. So his compatriot mm-hmm. that plays for Liverpool. He's he's aggressive. Like he 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 goes all over the pitch. He can. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I read a statistic that in the in Europe this season he's one of the. I think he's one of the highest rated players in terms of interceptions. And Bulls I won do not have that information. I do not have that yeah. information. But we all know that he's one of the highest rated youngsters in Europe right now. And the chances of Olympiacos keeping him are very low this summer. I'll be surprised if Agibu stays, personally. Let's see. But that's an interesting thought, though. I mean, where is he going to play? If you've got a fit Camara, if you've got a fit Fortunis a fit Carvalho, and you bring in an effing winger, like a proper winger, that can play one-on-one, that can build up, that can score, that can assist, and you get rid of Henry and Nukuru, nothing against you, Henry and Nukuru, but it just hasn't worked out. We knew it yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to keep that, keep that poll there. It's still ticking. Yeah. I'm going to keep it there until the end to see to see where we land. Um, what else have we got from, from today's game? Masuras back, uh, scores a brace again. I mean, 5-1 is what it is. And the next game now is against Aris on Sunday. That's going to be an interesting game. Aris with a new manager and Aris fighting for a playoff spot. So that's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. Before we wrap up, Costa, should we do a quick kind of thought on man of the match, coaches' grades? Who's sure. your man of the match? Of course. Uh, my, I think it must be Masuras because of the uh, because of the brace. Uh, continues to be a very clinical player in the sense Masuras might not be the most uh, impressive player that Olympiacos have, but he's the most substantial. But he might be among he might be the most substantial. Uh, Olympiacos have. He just does what the manager needs him to do, what his teammates need to do on the pitch. He's, he's He doesn't inspire. He's the kind of player who's going to lead you to victory, but he, he has that David Fuster vibe in him. He's, it's all about substance. It's all about just doing what must need, what needs to be done on the pitch uh, without having, without really wooing the crowd. Yeah, it is Masuras tonight for me. And your coach is you? great? Ah, the coach's grade, well, you know, big victory. Uh, must be in the A category. I think I'll give it an A. I'll give it an A. It's not an A plus because, you know, it was a status and there was that first half that was a bit hapless. So, yeah, an A for Pedro Martins. 
a lot of work to be done. Like, like I said, the, the Karaiskaiki, there was an intense feeling that everyone's just looking forward, that the season is over for everyone. And right now, Olympiacos are just playing friendlies currently. <laughs> That's how the feeling is, especially now with the plus 15, um, the 15 point uh, deficit. They're all looking forward. The, 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 the bar is being raised. They want the bar to be raised. They want to see the team pushing itself. They want to see something better next season. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, if if we are playing friendlies and we you know, now we are 15 points clear, then hopefully we can start to get a sense of what the coach's ideas are for, for next year. There's been a lot of talk recently about Martins being, um, he gets scared. When he gets scared, he plays three at the back, even though we can't support that system. But we've seen a big difference whenever we've played 4-2-3-1 and it's gotten better. Because I have to say, when we have played 4-2-3-1 earlier in the season, before these last two games, in defensive transition, we've looked open, we've looked exposed really have look exposed when transitioning back into defence when we lose the ball high up the pitch. Um, it's been better the last two games. And I I hope he continues down down that line. Okay, he's the manager, he makes the decisions, but I think there's there's a clear, clear, clear difference in what we've seen this game and last game, even if it is the Greek league that we're talking about. It hasn't been attractive, but we saw a lot of goals today. We saw a lot of uh, opportunities and chances created. We've seen uh, against Offi uh, three goals today, five goals. We haven't seen that this season. All the games have been 1-0, 2-1. Some nil-nil draws against uh, Adromitos at the beginning of the season. Nil-nil against Panathinaikos. Two draws against Panathinaikos. So, All those draws. Exactly. So it's been anything uh, anything but, but inspiring. But to get to the to the question at hand here, my man of the match. And guys, whoever whoever's following live, drop your comments in the chat as well. Let us know who your man of the match was as well. We'll read it out. I think I'm going to give mine to Valbuena. Just the impact that he had on the game. It was that set piece that unlocked everything and then it you know it changed the game. That, that, uh, that corner, Socrates' goal, He's my man of the match today. I think he's had he's had that impact and had a big role in opening things up and helping us to to win. And then coaches grades, I think I'm going to give Martins a A minus because he didn't start Gitsos. Hmm. <laughs> Savage, Savage, <laughs> but but Savage. I I yeah I I understand probably why Gary Rodriguez hasn't started the game. I again I didn't want to see Agibu Kamara play on the wing because I I think he's kind of you lose what he really brings to the team like that press in in the center of the park. So I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's still an A but it's an A minus for me. And I won't go I won't go any any further. Uh, Manos says Onyokuru was the MVP today. Uh, Maritzolakis, Valbuena, man of the match. Don't think anybody else has, has chimed in. The Costa 10, hello, mate. It's been a while. Good to see you. Costa says, hopefully, 
Park builds so we can get some healthy competition. Hopefully everyone builds, man. Park, Panathinaikos, Aik, everyone. We, we, we would hope for more healthy competition, generally speaking, not necessarily just from those that we consider our quote-unquote big rivals. So, guys, we've been going for almost an hour we said we would make this one a, a short one. Uh, as usual, we get carried away with all the uh, enthusiasm and all the issues that there are to talk about. And there are a lot of issues to talk about, particularly as we are drawing towards the end of this season. Uh, 15 points ahead, the league is over and we're already thinking about next season. Uh, a lot of comments coming in as well. So, um, Guys, I hope you've enjoyed listening tonight. It's been a pleasure. Uh, as usual, Costa, thanks very much. Thanks for um, inviting me as always. Make sure you follow Costa on his Twitter handle. That will be, I mean, that's written under his uh, under his profile there. Yeah, there, we go. there we go. There you go, guys. So give Costa a follow. Thanks for watching, especially if you've made it this far. We are the Gate 7 International Podcast. Make sure you like if you like what you've heard. Leave us a comment below. Leave us your thoughts. We always uh, respond to the comments. Hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss another episode and hit the bell as well. So you get a notification every time we go live, every time there's a new episode. We've started doing vlogs as well. Check out the vlogs from Italy from the last, uh, the last game against Atalanta as well. Costas Llanos and Labrosirmos were in the house. A bitter night, but uh, some fantastic footage. Uh, go and check that out. Guys, I'll also leave a link above that you can click on so you can go directly to that. That's all, folks. See you next time. Have a good night. Good morning, wherever you're watching from. Take care. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos, he said. Sto mialo kati magiko.